got any plans for dinner at all? Tonight, we will be partaking of a liquid repast as we wend our way up the Golden Mile, commencing with an inaugural tankard in the first post, then onto the old familiar, the famous cock, the cross hands, the good companions, the trusty servant, the two-headed dog, the mermaid, the beehive, the king's head, and the hole in the wall for a measure of the same, all before the last bittersweet pint in that most fateful terminus, the world's end. Leave a light on, good lady, for though we may return with a twinkle in our eyes, we will in truth be blind. Drunk. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Wait a minute. 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 Well, wait. Wait a minute. I see what's going on here. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Welcome, welcome, and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen, the podcast where we find a movie that somebody we uh, hasn't seen, and we talk about it. Um, I'm your host, Travis, uh, a.k.a. TV's Travis, if you ever get onto Twitter or pretty much anywhere that I have a web presence, um, I use that. Joining me this week, I have the nerd with no internet, Charlie. That would be me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, he's actually sitting upstairs right now because he has no internet at home. Uh, it's true. I'm sad. And also joining us this week is Keith. Hello. I also supply Charlie with internet from time to time. And you're a good man for it. Uh, so this week, the movie was the 2013 Edgar Wright <coughs> directed, written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, The World's End. Now, last week we talked about Hot Fuzz. Um, because Christina had not seen that, and um, that is one of my ten favorite movies probably of all time. I love Hot Fuzz. I have seen The World's End before, but neither of you had. No, I I hadn't, and I had no idea what to expect from this movie. (laughs) Uh, I didn't either. I actually was watching it and kind of got lost and didn't really like it, and I was like, man, I don't know if I can make it through this movie, and then it took that left turn. Yeah, that that's a left turn that just hits you like a brick. Yeah, so, okay. So, this movie, like I said, is directed by Edgar Wright, okay, and written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Now, this movie is part of a trilogy, but not a, a like, truly connected trilogy. It's called the Three Flavors of Cornetto trilogy. Um, it started off as a joke. So, they the first movie that they made... Um, and it was Shaun of the Dead. Um, Shaun of the Dead, great zombie movie, right? A lot of fun. Indeed. Um, in the script for that, Edgar Wright added in a little joke about, uh, it was either Shaun or Ed, I don't remember, having a Cornetto ice cream cone as sort of like a hangover remedy. Uh, because Edgar Wright himself had done that when he was in his 20s. And they made some joke about that, and sure enough, Cornetto heard about it and gave him a bunch of Cornetto ice cream on, like, I think it was a press tour or something. But they decided to have fun with that, and there's a, and I'm, you know, I'm a bad film student in that I don't remember who did the Three Colors trilogy. So I'm going to look that info up, but in sort of a riff on that or a spoof on that, um... 
Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg decided to do the three flavors of Cornetto. So they had strawberry Cornettos, which are red, for the zombie yeah. movie. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, after oh, of all, you've got a bit of red on you. Right. Then the, the, the buddy cop movie, Hot Fuzz, they had a blue Cornetto in it. You see Simon Pegg eating that, and they, they get him from the shop. This was the yeah. third one. They went with the mint chocolate chip or the green Cornetto for Little Green Men sci-fi. <laughs> um, and uh, that was their their three flavors of Cornetto trilogy. So, okay, uh, I am not even going to try to pronounce this name. Um, Christoph... Krizistoff Kozlowski. Um, anyway, it's a Polish director. Um, it was a Three Colors trilogy where it was uh, two made in French and one primarily in Polish. Blue, white, and red. But uh, basically it was Edgar Wright kind of spin, spinning off that doing the Cornetto thing. So you yeah. had your, your zombie movie, you had your action movie, and now you've got your sci-fi movie. But the two of you had no no prior information whatsoever going into this, so you didn't know it was a sci-fi-themed thing, right? No, I, no just, I, I just thought it was, okay, they're getting the lads back together, and this is how their lives progressed, maybe? Yeah. Let's find out. Because so, I, I noticed at the very beginning it starts out with um, Gary and... Uh, what looks to be an AA meeting of sorts. Mm -hmm. You're right. And um, first of all, I love the opening because that whole flashback, this is a, this is an Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg thing. They, they write these things really, really well. And Edgar Wright just has this ability <coughs> to direct certain things in such a way that is great, but it's a total Edgar Wright thing. He literally spells out the entire movie in that opening scene. That opening flashback montage is every single scene and beat in the movie. Oh, it's yeah. all brought back and done in the movie in that order throughout the rest of it. Yeah, it's so, true. It's brilliant. I mean, I just, uh, I love, he's so good at doing that. He did it in Hot Fuzz where everything got called back. And again, this, everything, everything that gets set up gets paid off at some point. Um, so what... In in terms of this trilogy of movies, and you really can call it a trilogy, the stories aren't connected, but the people behind the scenes are, and the actors are. I mean, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are in all three. Um, you got Martin Freeman shows up in all three. You know, there's a lot of uh, similar you know actors going across movies, so it really is kind of a trilogy. This and was, I was I'm kind of surprised still at some of the names they've been able to pull for this. I mean, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, he wasn't in the movie enough for me. Um, I think part of that was because in Hot Fuzz, uh, Timothy Dalton was in it a lot more, and he had more to do. You know, like he had more to chew on. Pierce Brosnan, I liked him in it. He was great. Nothing wrong with it. It just, he wasn't in it enough. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense because they really focused on the, the group of the five. That was the main focus of things and they didn't they didn't let anything get away from that and i appreciate that because that's really what drove the story um it's it's probably my least favorite of the three but that's sort of kind of like saying you know hershey's with almonds is my least favorite hershey bar like it's still great i mean this oh, movie, yeah this movie Tested really well. Um, the uh, critic scores, I think the Rotten Tomatoes is like 89% or something, or really, really, really high. Um, and unfortunately did not do well in the theater. 
financially. Uh, it had a $20 million budget, which was the highest budget of the three movies. And you do see that because uh, I'll get back to it a little bit later, but the, the effects in this movie were top-notch, especially when you realize that it was a $20 million budget. Unfortunately, it only made $46 million worldwide, so barely double its budget, um, only $26 million in the U.S., and that was that $46 million is a little more than half of what Hot Fuzz made. Um, so it didn't do well financially, comparatively, okay. for how much it cost, but it... You know, it rated really high with critics. People who saw it liked it a lot. I think part of its problem was, and I want to look this up, but it came out in 2013, and there was another movie. What was the... There was another movie that came out with it around the same time that had a similar name, and I believe, like, I've seen parts of that one, and that one just seems terrible. It's the Seth Rogen one. Um, End of the World. End of the World is the one from Seth Rogen. Or This is the End. Okay. Uh, and that was 2013. So the same year you had a movie with Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Jonah Hill called This is the End. And, I mean, it was, you know, that movie was did okay, but I just think that there was a lot of confusion there. And for an American audience especially – most American audiences are going to go see, you know, the American actors. They're going to go see Seth Rogen and, and those guys over a Simon Pegg movie, unfortunately. I don't know about that. I mean, by this point, Simon Pegg is a known quantity. He is, but but I'm talking your average man-on-the-street moviegoer, right? Man also, on the street. big surprise here, I haven't seen the other movie, so. I haven't seen This is the End either, Um to me, some of the, I don't know, it, it didn't, uh, it didn't grab me. I, I certainly will probably watch it at some point, but you know, it didn't do anything for me at the time. So I just sort of didn't care. Um, and, I, well, and to be fair, I didn't really know what this one was even about. I just knew that it was called the world's end. I picturing some kind of an apocalypse movie. Right. And you know, in a way it is, but, um, you were bringing up the fact that, you know, kind of the left turn caught you out of nowhere, not knowing anything going into it. And I know, Keith, you're not one to watch trailers and read anything about a movie prior to seeing it. Um, I I have this thing. I, I detest watching trailers because I'm always afraid that they're going to put the best parts of the movie in it. And then it feels like I waste my mo my money for a ticket. I, I understand that. Um, there was... In the trailers for this, I remember some of them. Now, I don't remember this being marketed that heavily, so you couple the not not a whole lot of marketing with another movie with a similar title coming out the same year that's also a comedy, and um, I can see this not doing well. But they did in the marketing. I do remember show some of like the you know the faces with the glowing eyes and glowing mouth type stuff, or the giant um, modern art statue looking thing. So, but that is not a modern art. Yeah. Um, okay, so the let's see. The left turn is is in the in the restroom, right? The when he uh, fights yeah, the, the kid. So the fourth pub. Yes. Yeah. Which, if you remember from the beginning, is where you know there was a bit of trouble there, um, and uh, it really 
Okay, so you weren't expecting that to come at all, right? No, no I, was I, not. Thought, I thought it was a hallucination that he was having at first. <laughs> you know, and given the character of Gary King, you're probably not that far off. He probably thought it was a hallucination at first. Um, yeah, so it, it hits you, and now it's like, whoa, okay, now we're in a, we're in a different movie all of a sudden. Um, first of all, this is where I want to talk about the effects of the, those blanks, the non-robot robots. Phenomenal. Oh, they were great. You, oh, you yeah. like you could not tell the cuts between person slash not a person with a body part that can come off. Yeah, like I mean, you know, okay, doing like a single body part missing um, has gotten a lot better over the years. But the scene in the uh, outside the one bar where they're fighting the twins and she's got the legs as arms—that was phenomenal. Like I want to, I really want to see some behind the scenes on how they shot that. Because I, I really like how the how the kid after he got his head taken off in the pisser there, um, how he uh, the the way he stood himself up like the mm-hmm. his arm the way his arms and legs moved it's like wow that that guy probably uh, did a little bit of mime school, yeah and it, that you can see where the twenty million dollars went because they had very believable effects and uh, I appreciate that in a movie especially a movie like this because. They could have easily gotten away with it. It's basically a B movie, right? I mean, for all intents and purposes. Effectively. Because it's a comedy. Like, because it's a comedy, you have more leeway to kind of get away with cheesier effects if you want. They didn't do that. They just, they they earnestly made this movie with really good effects. And I applaud them for that because it made for, I think, a better movie overall. And and Shaun of the Dead, you know, the, the play on the whole, you know, Dawn of the Dead thing. With the name, you know, of course it's it it makes sense to make that a lower budget film too, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of as an homage. Oh yeah. Plus, I mean, if you're going to get started making a movie, you start out doing horror movies because they're the cheap ones to make. Um, Yeah, it was. This is a really good movie. So it's kind of neat. All of the um, characters' names are royal or court connection in some way. So you have Gary King. And he's their leader. Mm-hmm. You have Andy Knightley, Peter Page, Stephen Prince, and Oliver Chamberlain, um, which I thought was kind of neat. And there's some kind of cool trivia here. So um, when Sam, I actually up, didn't, I didn't make that connection before now. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, you know, and th- those are the types of touches that Simon Pegg and and Edgar Wright put into a script that you you notice upon reflection and you're like that's clever that's really well done like little things oh like yeah that. um so when sam joins uh everybody at the old familiar everyone stands to greet her except for gary and this alludes to their medieval names because everyone would rise to greet a visitor except for the king except <laughs> for the king so makes king sense stands for- also can i just say um i really really like um Rosamund pike she was Sam. However, she always looks like perpetually surprised. Did you well, know? it kind of works in this one. It does, but watch her in another movie. Like she always looks like she just walked into a room and saw something she can't believe she saw. <laughs> her eyebrows are just <laughs> always up in that perfect arch, and it's just she always looks like whoa, whoa. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I noticed it a couple of months back. I was watching Doom again, and uh, it was kind of the same thing. 
Um, yeah, I was wondering, like, I know I've seen her in other things. Like, I was trying to think of another movie. And then today, earlier today, I caught Jack Reed on TV, and, and she's in that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, she's – so she did um, Doom, I remember her from. Um, but also – let me find it here. Where is she? Where – there she is. Um, she did Gone Girl is probably what she's best known for. Okay. Um, she was also in uh, the last Pierce Brosnan uh, Bond film, Die Another Day. Probably know her from that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen a Bond movie since Brosnan was Bond. You haven't seen any of the Daniel Craig Bond? Just never had the real desire to watch another Bond movie. Of course, you know, I, I'm still, you know, there, there's that certain tongue-in-cheek slash camp that you get with the older Bond movies and you, we should, and I I'm, guess I'm just expecting that out of it for some reason. I'm going to put, that isn't there. Yeah. I'm going to put a couple of the newer Bond movies on the list and, and we'll, we'll watch some of those for this because I think you would like some of them. Um, okay. It gets a little more kind of Jason Borney. Okay. But it works. Daniel Craig. I like a lot. Um, you still have Judy Dench as M. But um, it's pretty good. So that well, Daniel he, Craig. It's hard. It, I don't think he has anything other than a serious face. Um, true, but uh, let's let's keep that on the back burner. Don't forget about that. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that at some point because I think they're pretty good. A couple of them are really good. Um, but uh, yeah. So let's see. Um, oh, they even have little things in the background. Um, the poster for the King's Head Pub has Simon Pegg on it. He's the king. In ah! Um, I hadn't they, noticed that. They had um, the poster for the the bar of the mermaid, the mermaid pub, has the two blondes and the redhead, um, a reference to the marmalade sandwich, mm. are the mermaids. <laughs> um, and uh, they're, the, the, they're the mermaids. They're the sirens trying to, uh, to tempt them. Right? Lure them to their doom. Yeah. I liked, okay, so we've seen Shaun of the Dead. We've seen Hot Fuzz. We're, we're progressing through this trilogy. Now, what's cool about these movies, Shaun of the Dead is not a zombie movie. It's got zombies in it, but it's really uh, it's a relationship, like a, almost a romantic comedy um, masquerading as a zombie movie, right? Because it's really about Shaun and Liz. And That's true. That's true. It's, it's really about the, the love dynamic between Shaun and Liz and Shaun and Ed. And Shaun not being able to grow up still wanting to have Ed around, but he needs to if he wants to stay with Liz, blah, blah, blah. Hot Fuzz is sort of a relationship movie masquerading as a buddy cop movie, right? Because it's about Nick Angel and his inability to switch off his, his love for the police service and meeting this guy. Because we talked last week about how there were parts of the um, early draft of the Hot Fuzz script where there was a love interest for Nick Angel, and then they scrapped that idea, but they kept a lot of the lines and left them verbatim for um, the Nick Frost character hmm. in the final script. <laughs> so there's... And That's it, funny. If you watch it again and you think about it, you notice that they're basically having a bromance. So you get a lot of that relationship stuff, and this movie is sort of the same thing, but instead of it being a um, romantic relationship, it's really 
it's a kind of almost a coming of age film masquerading as a like an alien sci-fi thing um because it kind of seemed like a trying to return to glory days yeah uh, a little bit of that a little bit of that in there sort of you know reliving the past and nothing ever got because for gary nothing ever got better right from 18 on he was the same person he never changed you know he drove the same car he listened to the same music he dressed the same nothing for him changed he never grew up he never evolved all of his friends did he and that was so when they got to the end at the bar at the world's end and he's behind the bar and you finally see the the hospital band like that was yeah. some heavy stuff all of a sudden the film, yeah it like, was they dropped some heavy where he's just like they told me when to go to sleep me like that i did not expect that the first time i saw this movie and even this time watching the movie this is only my second time seeing it i haven't seen this one as much um as Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And that's kind of a uh, disservice to myself. I should watch this more because I think, uh, upon reflection, it's a lot better movie than I gave it credit for after I saw it the first time. And it's for, Yeah, it's, and, it's pretty good. It's, it's not one that I would have... Like, I originally, just from little pictures I'd seen of, of Gary King, originally thought that he was supposed to be some kind of priest or something. Huh. But... I, I'd just seen a couple of pictures and that's all, but <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's just the weird things you, you, you kind of catch a half glance of and you're like, Oh, okay. Da, 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 go on with your life. Forget about it. Well, you know, and one of the things I like too, is you look at your main characters. So Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in these three movies, they play three very different characters. You know, they do Nick Frost in, in Shaun of the Dead is Ed who is a, a man-child because he wants to be. He just doesn't want to grow up. He wants to... And I sort of, I talked about this last week, too. In Hot Fuzz, he's a man-child, but not of his own uh, volition. He's He didn't have the, uh, the ability to grow up because he was so sheltered by his father. And in this movie, he's playing a character who has grown up, who does know who he wants to be, is very confident in himself but can't get past this one thing that happened. Also, still fiercely loyal to his friends. You know, because you see him throughout the course of the movie, before he starts drinking and before he just kind of gives up, you know, before that, in the, mo in, in the bar, you see him starting to loosen up. You know, he's like, he's letting his guard down a little bit. He's not so tense anymore. He's having fun talking with everybody right up until he picks up the cell phone. And that's when he flips. But it's nice to see, you know, and 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 a credit to Nick Frost and the writing. You believe you he is believable in all three roles. It's very oh, yeah. it's very easy to get typecast as Ed forever if you're Nick Frost. I mean, look at Kevin Heffernan who played Farva in um, Super Troopers. Yeah, you know he was Farva and he was awesome. He was so good at that. The next movie yeah. that that group made, that Broken Lizard made, Club Dread, they they wrote him and cast him as a different character from Farva, and nobody bought it because he was anybody that saw that movie just saw him as Farva. So when they go back, because to the movie, he nailed that role so hard, right? But and and I've seen him in a couple other things where he's been similar-ish characters, but he's still like, no, nah, it's it's not quite right because it's not Farva, right? 
but for some reason Nick Frost is able to to pull it off like yes in this he still ends up going to being kind of the Nick Frost but he's not he doesn't when act he, like Ed, he, but he does like he does lose it you know he he go he gets to act a little drunk and all that but it's not the same he's not Ed doing that right it's you believe it's a professional him. man who's finally you know taking the tie off for a minute yeah and, and then and he's got the look of somebody who pilots a desk and does all of his work with a pen you know yeah he, he's got the demeanor he carries himself that way and the 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 whole the suit and the haircut the whole nine mannerisms he 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 really brings to the table that you believe that that could be his day job yeah and then you look and, at oh go ahead well i was and i just have to agree with you travis that the the, the dynamic for those two actors is fantastic that they can be believable in so many different things so easily. Yeah. I mean, that, Simon, that's just a testament to their talent. Yeah. Simon Pegg plays Sean, who's sort of stuck being perpetually 23 years old, but he sort of, he gets that growth throughout the movie after, you know, losing his mom and figuring stuff out and, and all that. And then you look at him as Nick angel and he's just tunnel vision, straight laced super cop. And now in this, he is basically a slightly older version of Ed from Shaun of the Dead. I mean, if you think yeah. about it. And, really, and yeah. He pulls it off. All three of those roles you believe Simon Pegg can be. And and, let, and let's not forget um, Scotty. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, and then he can do something like Scotty. He can be, um, what's his character in uh, the Mission Impossible movies now? He does those. Um, Wasn't he also oh, yeah, the in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide? Um, I'm thinking of someone else. He might Martin have Freeman's a, in Hitchhiker's yeah, Guide. Yeah, Martin Freeman's in Hitchhiker's. Simon Pegg might have had a small role. I mean, Simon Pegg, you know, he's he's in a ton of stuff now. But but a bit part or a cameo is one thing, but playing the lead in three distinctly different movies as three distinctly different characters and pulling it off. And there's another. There's a movie he did called um, A Fantastic Fear of Everything that uh, I think is still playing on Netflix. You should watch that if you haven't. It's really, really good. He plays a character that is essentially afraid of every single thing and lives in an apartment and never leaves it, um, is about all I can tell you about that without giving too much away. But it's it's really, it's a good movie. But you're right. It's a, it's a testament to their talent and their abilities to not only play these varying characters, but for Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright to write these varying characters and just have the the um, the balls to just say no. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna do this, and it's gonna work, and it does. You know that's impressive, um, and that's good filmmaking. Like they they even lose Oman at a at the same point. Yeah, well, in, like I said, in, in the pub crawl, you know. Yeah. So, like I say, everything in the movie is spelled out in the first two minutes of what's gonna happen. You know, they lose Oman at the same time. Uh, so he's not the same anymore. And Martin Freeman is amazing. He just does. I've yet to see him in something where I didn't like him. Um, and he's great. You know, they lost Pete at the same point. Um, so it really did. They really did just spell out the whole movie ahead of time. And yet it doesn't feel like that. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't. 
Let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh yeah. Um, when the guys try to place calls, when they're when they're trying to make the calls out from the bathroom, you know, once you get the turn, and they're like, "Oh, it must be the network," which is what the aliens end up calling themselves at the end of the movie. Um, yeah. Oh, they lost Sam at the last because Sam he ditched Sam at the sixth pub. Yep, and that's when he sends her off. And yeah, and she. Oh yeah, yeah. Looks, looks surprised. <laughs> no, no, and... take the drain pipe. Yeah, climb down the drain pipe. <laughs> Um, oh, that was great. Just got a womp. That was good. Uh, let's see. Um, movie poster is a reworking of the poster from End of the World, which was based on alien doubles bent on world conquest. Sort of makes sense. There was a bit of a like a you know invasion of the body snatchers type feel going on. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I'm sorry. The, this movie was just really, really, really good. They they do such a good job writing. Uh, so last week... I'll be perfectly honest with you. The last note that I actually wrote down, because I, I try to take notes when I watch the movies, mm-hmm. um, and involved uh, uh, Brawl in the Lou, WTF, Hard Left. <laughs> And that, that was the last thing I, I wrote down because I was I was l- legitimately glued to the screen after that. Well, that tells you it's a good movie. I mean, yeah, it's like when you go yeah, into it, you're going into it saying, OK, I'm watching this, watching this for a purpose. I'm going to take notes. And you're 35 minutes in and suddenly you don't take any more notes because you've been pulled into the movie. Um, that's good. Um one of the things that I thought was great is I like Edgar Wright's directing style. I love his visual style where he can take something mundane and make it look really interesting. He did it in Hot Fuzz with the paperwork um, type stuff, that sort of fast cut thing. He does it in this with the pouring of the beer in the water. Where, mm, you yeah. know, it's it's his, oh, yeah. his style of like just the way he frames it and cuts it and puts that all together. He also and I, I wrote this down myself, was there needs to be a class taught by him about how to shoot a fight scene in an enclosed space because the fight in the bathroom and the fight in the pub later oh, are yeah. both masterfully done. You know where everybody is. You don't lose a sense of where people are. You don't lose a sense of who's who or anything like I that. I did... I did like how uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg each kind of did a little bit of their own Jackie Chan thing there where, you know, Nick Frost, like, picks up the two stools and was, like, improvised weapon fighting mm-hmm. his way through things. And there's Simon Pegg, you know, pretty much drunk and boxing his way through there trying to drink his pint. Yeah. Got to well, get my pint from every bar. Exactly. And and just from the, the filmmaking aspect, like the, the way that he is able to to make a scene like that. And because one of the things, so, okay, a, a good example of an action movie that didn't do this well, in my opinion, especially the first time I saw it, The Bourne Supremacy um, had that kind of shaky cam up close action. And you would, I would get almost seasick, but I would lose sight. Supremacy or there. identity? Supremacy. Identity didn't do it as much. Different directors. Okay. Um, another good example is um, Clash of the Titans, the remake of Clash of the Titans. There were yeah. there were fights in that where you're just like, where is anybody? What's going this, on? 
Yeah, the the pub fight scene seemed more. It seemed closer to the the church fight scene from Kingsman. There you go. That's a, okay. So, um, uh, who directed Kingsman? Was it Matthew Vaughn? Um, I have no clue. Well, I know you have no clue. Uh, I I just enjoy the movies. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm the nerd that likes to know. Uh, Matthew well, Vaughn. I also like to know. So Matthew Vaughn uh, directed Kingsman, and he's also really good at that because. It's something about being able to know what's going on and where things are in relationship to each other. Like that's that's filmmaking, that's storytelling, and yeah, it's great if you can do up close and create that sense of movement. But you need to know where things are going. That's why Michael Bay, especially early Michael Bay, was great at having a lot of camera motion, but you still you knew what was going on. Um, he got a little little bad with that when he got into the everything after Transformers. Although I haven't seen Pain and Gain, so I can't say one way or the other on that. But you look at some of his earlier stuff, or John McTiernan always did a great job of framing action. And I think that Edgar Wright does a great job of framing action, especially in an up-close fight like that. And I just think he should he should be teaching other directors how to do that. And it's definitely yeah, yeah. better in this one than it was in Hot Fuzz, which was better than it was in Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Well, Hot Fuzz is interesting because it didn't have a lot of fighting. It was a different type of action. Like, and the, with the exception, okay, so the last, whatever it is, 15 minute uh, battle, that, that was long and drawn out, but it wasn't like close up hand to hand. So it was shot a little bit differently, but I think, I just think that, um, I think that he does a really good job with that. And I think Edgar Wright also, does a good job of getting music directors and coming up with a, a overall auditory theme to a movie and the the music that he's going to utilize. Because in Hot Fuzz, he had a lot of music cues when you know the Simon Skinner character would come driving up by a by a crime scene and whatever music was playing in the radio in his car matched uh, the scene. It was those subtle things. In this movie, all the music that they used. Kind of, it all fit from that. Um, I think I, I read it, they called it Madchester, which was sort of this late 80s, early 90s dance techno influenced uh, into rock music stuff from kind of the Manchester area of England. So you get uh, a lot of that, and it all fit so well. They do such a good job of putting did. the right song in the right spot. Yeah, none of the music felt out of place at all. Also, you can also tell that uh, how much fun, you know, uh, Simon and Nick were just having being action stars again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That they were having a ball. Also, uh, another another moment of Edgar Wright brilliance is the joke where they're at the car. And they say, oh, yeah, it's like an antique. And he goes, let's get this antique show on the road. And then there's, there is a shot of all four of them with the, the gong because it's 4 o'clock. I just love, like, that to me is brilliant visual humor. You know which one part I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah the, the, the part which where part? they actually get in the car to leave. So they're getting ready to leave from the train station. And he makes the antiques roadshow joke. Mm. And 
he's like, you know, he, he kind of, let's get this antique show on the road. And he's doing like the, huh, come on, laugh. And then there's just yeah. a shot of all four guys with this dumbstruck look on their face. Like, did he really make that joke? And there's a gong, <laughs> gong to chime the four, the four o'clock chimes for each one of oh. them. It's just such a brilliantly done bit of visual humor that I, I just love that stuff. Um, I, I didn't, I did not connect the, I I got the antique roadshow joke, but I, I didn't catch the gong show thing. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I did kind of, I, you know, when they got pulled over and he gave Peter's name and address, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. He bought this car from Peter. He never changed over the registration. Yeah, and it's funny because one of the IMDb goofs is like, well, you know, that actually wouldn't work because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, yes, mansplain that to me, please. <laughs> uh, um, yes, please explain how the joke doesn't work and isn't funny. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In addition to references to the movie. I thought it was rather brilliant. The Thing, The Stepford Wives. Edgar Wright credits the posters for these movies as inspiration. Though it does not appear in the actual film it promotes, an image of the man of the man standing and his head is lit up, obscuring his appearance from the poster of the thing that led to Wright's idea that the blanks have their faces light up. Huh. Well that's cool. See, I love okay. finding inspiration in random places. Um Yeah. Oh, Bill Nighy makes an appearance again. Or actually he doesn't make an appearance, his voice only. Um, yeah. he was, but he it's was, a very recognizable voice to be fair. It is. It is. And really he I, was, I was, wondering, I was like, who is that? <laughs> yeah. But it is, but that's me trying to remember a name and oh, right. That's... Yeah. You, you remembering a name that works. <laughs> Anytime you're trying to remember a name, here's what I picture. I picture all the little people that are in your brain trying to sort everything out. Just chaos. It's kind of like a... No, it's, it's just like... chaos and bedlam, and they're running everywhere, and sh like shit's on fire. And <laughs> and finally, if the name comes to you, it's because that one person has the file with the name in it, and they come running up and slam it down on the desk at the last possible second. But until then, it looks like the end of the world. Yeah, it, it's like everybody's just sitting there, calm and relaxed. And then, hey, what was that guy's name? It's like somebody just slams the fire bell. Yep. Red alert. Red alert. And everywhere. And all too often, that guy with the folder running up, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it right here. Bam. Dude, that conversation ended five minutes ago. God yeah. Oh, damn yeah. it. Well, yeah, because he got stuck in the file room finding it. The door yeah. wouldn't open yeah. up on him. Oh, yeah. The, so. the, the, the knob on that, on that door in the file room, it is known for... I mean, off maintenance is looking into it. Yeah, and I know how that is. You you suddenly realize the name that you were trying to think of in that conversation an hour and a half later, while you're doing something completely different. You're just making a sandwich, and all of a sudden you're like Morgan Freeman. That's who I was trying to think about. Yeah, you've seen me do it. <laughs> I have firsthand. You're just, you're just laying there in bed, and you just shit stri sit straight up, and oh man, I know who that is now. Are you I looking in my window or something? Because that's not something you should be seeing. No one should see that. Um, no one should see that. Yeah. So uh, let's see. In the real, this is there is a real life World's End pub. Really? I want to go there. It's in London. Get your passports, fellas. Yeah. I guess we oh. got to go to London now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, darn. 
twist my arm, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I did love some of the um some of the the fight stuff that they did. like you were talking about the improvised fighting and they were pulling out like uh you know pro wrestling moves with elbow drops and and all that kind of stuff. I just I thought that was great cuz if you think about it, none of these guys are trained fighters, right? Yeah, the, the locks, the holds and body slams and whatnot. Yeah. But none of these guys are like they shouldn't be doing, you know, hapkido or something like that. They should be just brawling. It makes a lot right. more sense oh, to course. have that. And that's the type of thing that, if you think about it, makes sense. But I've seen plenty of movies that don't don't follow that at all. Um, okay, here's a question for you now. So, now that you know about the whole three flavors of Cornetto and the color thing, right? Red and blue and green. Yeah. Do you think they should have gone with green for the goo inside the blanks instead of blue? I think they should have, but... I I I I have to agree with the decision to use blue because whenever you see blood presented in media that's not supposed to be looking like blood, it's always blue. Fair, and I it does also make the ink joke fit where they're like, "We have blood on mm. our hands." It's like ink. We have ink on our hands. You know that. Does make that work? I I don't have a problem with the blue at all, and it worked perfectly. It's just interesting to me that blue was I the thought... color that they kind of wanted to use for Hot Fuzz. This was supposed to be the green Cornetto movie, and the little green yeah, men it... and the aliens, and and they they went blue. But yeah, the 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 blue was a little weird to me. I you know it's like they they probably should have done green after I saw the the Cornetto wrapper. I'm like, yeah, that. It makes sense. Yeah, they probably should have done like green, but you know. But the we got ink on our hands, and then it it just when when they said that, all I could think of is, oh, you, you've got a you've got an appointment with Doctor Ink. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there you go. See another one of those calls, which is something I'm stealing and I'm going to be using from now on. <laughs> See, but that's another that's another case of uh, the callbacks. <clears throat> they don't yeah. set up a joke in these movies without paying it off. It's it's phenomenally well done. So there is a term um, that another podcast I listened to coined called uh, Chicken the Bucket. Um, and they use it to reference. So it got started from the movie Wild Wild West, where at the beginning of it, Will Smith's character is in the, the big like kind of wooden water tower bucket thing with some okay. uh, with some woman. And then he leaves and just leaves her there. And she's never seen or heard from again throughout the entire movie. That's just like a plot thread that got left alone. And so they coined the term chick in the bucket as that kind of dangling plot thread that just gets left alone. Okay. Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright never do that in their movies. They tie up everything. Everything comes back around, no matter how small it is. And I like that. And I like that they, they do that in a comedy with all the jokes. They give you oh, something yeah. in the beginning, they pay it off at the end. One of my favorites of that is in Hot Fuzz, where they make the joke about going through the whole phone book and look up, you know, Aaron A. Aronson. And then later on, the kid he runs into is named Aaron A. Aronson. And he's like, what? Like, that's a subtle joke that you might not even catch it the first couple of times you see the movie. But if you really like the movie and you watch it again, it gives it gives you more to chew on as you go. And they, they do that so well in all of these movies. And I'm just a big fan of that. You know, it's the last two episodes of the show have been just me gushing about Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright, and most of British comedy. Well, there's well, something to be good, said for good. British comedy. Yeah, that's true. 
So, okay. I do have something in this movie that really honestly does creep me out. Um, okay. The people staring like that, where they're all blank and they just oh, yeah, turn just and stare. Staring in unison. Ugh. Oh, well, you also they... notice you also notice that everybody in town was walking in step. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, ev- everybody was always that. on time. Everybody was always in time, looking the same way, acting the same. Like everybody was robotic. They I watched a little bit of the special features, and they were talking about robots. that where they they did a lot of training to get people to to one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not easy to do. I mean, naturally, you don't really want to do that. So, And that's what makes it so creepy for me is it's just an unnatural feeling to have people turn all at the same time and stare at you. I've had like – I mean, you know, we're not going to get too deep into the psychology of that for me because whatever it's – you know, I've had all sorts of bad dreams where that kind of stuff happens. But that just like gets under my skin anytime they do that in a movie, whether it's a comedy or – you see it a lot in horror movies – but just that—that that is going to like you want to affect me. That's going to get me right away. Is get a scene where an entire room of people all turn and stare blankly at the same person at the same time. Like, yeah, I'm going to be crawling out of my seat trying to get away from that. Ugh. What really gets me is when they're all acting normal and then suddenly they all just sync up and then the it you know where it goes from completely normal into why is everybody moving. Like a military parade. Yeah. Yep. I just noping right out of that room. I tell you what. Um, so, how long did it take for you guys to notice Martin Freeman wasn't the same Martin Freeman? Like how the far? The first bar afterwards. Okay. So it was. It wasn't the scene when he came out of the bathroom. It was the. It was his first reaction after that. I was like, he looks different. Oh, yeah. he's a blank. Okay. How about you? It wasn't, wasn't even so much that he was looking different. It's just he didn't have the same feel to him at that point. Yeah, he started acting well, different. Yeah, it was there. There was a complete shift in the character. Well, I'm, maybe not complete, but it it was it was enough that it was noticeable. Well, I think it was a kind of complete shift because you think about it. They make a joke about his sister. He doesn't really react the same way. I think someone even called him O Man. He doesn't react the same way, um, and well, obviously when he, they're not super trying to hide it. Like, well, yeah, but after they said that, you know, that he had the birthmark laser removed, I stopped looking for it. Right. I didn't even think to look for it, and like, oh, they got him, and I didn't think look for that. Well, it's the other thing is when he comes up, he's disheveled before he goes in there, and then when he comes out. His suit is clean cut, and his hair is all slicked back again. Yeah, it so he doesn't a, have that. It seems a great deal more sober. Yeah, that's true. You know, not so like just he doesn't seem so frazzled by the whole situation anymore. So I did like that. It was. I mean, it's not a like huge reveal. Oh my gosh, no! You know, there's no way you were going to notice that. But I liked how they were subtle about it. So I just wanted to get your take on that. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, it, it was subtle, but it, it it was subtle enough that you you had a sense of accomplishment for noticing it. Yes, that's very true. Um, yeah, that they, they, they were it was subtle, but they were obvious enough that you 
should have kind of seen something. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So here is my, I don't have necessarily a gripe with this movie, but um, I think the ending is a little, parts of the ending anyway, don't, don't work as well for me, which is probably why it's my least favorite. Now it's funny because look, when you're writing a movie, the ending is always hard. You know, whether it's a, a five minute sketch or an hour and a half long movie, endings are hard. It's hard to wrap up stuff. Shaun of the yeah, Dead true. Shaun of the Dead, they got away with it. It's just like, and the military shows up, we're all fine, right? Um Hot Fuzz And then, did, and then they do their ramble after that about how everything pans out. Yeah. Hot Fuzz had a little bit more of a wrapped up ending because they had kind of a single antagonist or a single small group of antagonists that they could they could tie up the loose ends with. That one, Hot Fuzz's kind of denouement where they had the the guy at the police station and the mind blow up, I felt was a little bit forced, but you know, I let it go because I've already checked out my brain and enjoyed the movie. Still love it. They sort mm-hmm. of did a similar thing here. And there's parts of it that I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that the network, uh, they they did the kind of tropey thing of like, oh, you notice how technology has gotten better since we've shown up and all these great advancements that we've given to you. I'm tired of that. I'm done with it. Whether it be Transformers making the allusion to that or this movie or any number of movies where an alien race shows up and suddenly they're the reason why we had all this pronounced growth uh, but when at the time this movie came out, I wasn't quite s- entirely sick of that. It what it was to me, it was starting to become a trope about that time, but it wasn't completely played out yet when True. the movie was released. But you didn't see the movie when it was released; you saw it now, so you've seen all of these other movies doing. But I, at the time, I was aware of when the movie was released. I don't know. I just maybe it is because I've seen all these other movies. I just feel like that thing is kind of tired and i'm i'm just i'm I'm done with it now but yeah they didn't need it they could have gotten away without doing it and i think it would have you know the the network can just show up and be like hey we want things to be better for you um that would have been fine they didn't have to do that and be a bit totalitarian about it you know the way they're you know subversive and yeah and the the voiceover wrap-up um by nick frost of you know what happened to everybody it was okay I, I do like yeah. kind of it fits with the rest of the movies, so it's fine. I didn't think it was anything spectacular, but the final thing with Gary and his group of uh, young blanks that I was great. Was, I thought it was great, and I almost it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So here's like, why the is thing. he tro- why is well, he rolling with the blanks now? Right, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but. Think about this. If you okay, let's let's say we're in the editing room. We're in the editing bay. We're working on this movie. Instead of the whole Nick Frost voiceover thing of, well, and then this happened, and we started gardening, and Gary did, you know, this person did this, and this person did that, and Gary, well, I never saw Gary again. Cut all of that and just go straight from the giant explosion to Gary walking with those guys into that bar. Tell me that's not just a great way to end that movie. Mm. Yeah. I personally like that because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're right, but it doesn't have to make a whole lot of sense. And I think it gives 
it gives a nice cliffhanger ending of like, well, what the heck is going on here? You kind of want to see what happens with Gary after that. Because you don't... I, I also like the callback at at the end of the whole thing with the network before it just, you know, buggers off. Where it's like, ugh, there's... there's it's pointless there's arguing no with you. Yeah, it's pointless arguing with you. I oh, had yeah. a good laugh. That well, was yeah. a... That was a great callback again. That's one of those things that these guys always do, and they're great about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pay off those jokes. They do that one. They had the band name one where he keeps saying, you know, oh, it's a great band name. You should write that down. And then, you know, Steve does it to him at the end. Like, Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess, and he's just like, yeah, I should. <laughs> I, I guess my thing with it is it already doesn't make sense with Gary's ending. So it makes even less sense with Gary's ending if you've wrapped up everybody in and they're all there for the explosion. You know, Nick Frost character, Andy knows what happened to everybody except Gary just sort of disappeared. And then he shows up doing this. Like if you're going to go that route, if you're going to have that, just cut out all that other stuff because Gary in the end is the character we really, I don't want to say care about, but he's the one that's had the most growth. He has, but I, I think it does kind of set, you know, it, it kind of gets you to the point where you can see that without it being, you know, going from the explosion straight to Gary with the blue, with the, with the blanks walking into the, walking into the, into the pub. It, I, I think you needed that buffer. I know that I needed that buffer. Well, okay. But then. Give a reason for why Gary left instead of just, I don't know what happened to him. He disappeared because you just went it's through Gary. all of this with this guy this entire night. You, if, if the accident backstory and the injury and all of that, and, you know, I got sober for 16 years and I don't ever want to go back home and I don't want to see you anymore. And within one night, he can get rid of all of that and actually, like, care about him again. Then he would have found, he would have put more effort into finding out what happened to him. I guess what I'm saying, that's where it's sort of, that's the thing that didn't work for me is like, I know what happened to this guy. I know what happened to this guy, but my best friend, the guy that I actually cared about that I, that I fought through all this stuff with, I don't know. He was, he's somewhere, whatever. He's out there. Was that the same couple he was showing property to at the end as it was when I think he was meeting up with them. I'm pretty sure. I I just love the the joke that Gary said at the end. That was a callback to the very first pub they walked into. Oh yeah, but uh, the the water. Yeah, like you have to have big balls to walk <laughs> up into a bar and order one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's the subtle part of the callback because the the overt part of that callback is the you know he's basically repeating the line of like you get the honor of drawing first blood which is exactly what he said in the first pub, but you're right. The subtle part of that callback is having the courage to go in and order the water. No, I think, I think Gary actually grew and he found his purpose. Now, given that it's a post-apocalyptic world, right? He kind of fits in that, but it's just, he had some growth. I just wish they could have tied those two things together a little bit better. It's almost like, Hey, we've got this really cool idea for a stinger at the end, like this, this cool little send off. Um, but it doesn't re- – and, the, and they're like, well, does that, does that fit in anything? Oh, we'll just say nobody knows what happened to Gary and it'll be fine. Like for all the attention to detail they put into these scripts, that is one thing that I just felt like they didn't I, – I, I really get the feeling that they were sitting there banging their heads right up until the very 
right up until, you know, it's like th- this, it's, what do we do? We, we have no more time. What do we do? It's like, we've got nothing else to do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely like, and look, I like know the, the, the way they, the way they come back and they, they tie up every loose end, every callback, they work. So, they, you could tell they put blood, sweat and tears into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that was the one, that was the one thing they couldn't nail down in time, I think. And that could be, like I said, writing endings is hard. And this was, yeah. this was the most ambitious of the three Cornetto movies in terms of its scope. Just this, this oh, by side. far. Like, yes, it still only takes place in a small town, but they did so much more with it uh, in terms of what they were, what they accomplished. So it's definitely the, the more ambitious of the three movies. But I think, and this is just me personally, now having seen it a couple of times, it's very good. And I definitely will watch it again. Um, I think it lacks, it, there's just something missing from it that Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead have. I, it's, I'm not sure what it is. I can't now, put my finger on it. But One of the things that, that got me and was, you know, they, there's a sign saying that that was the first uh, roundabout installed in England. And then at the end, they, they just go straight through it and jump it and whatnot, yeah. like you've seen in so many internet videos about people who don't know how to handle a, a roundabout, and you just know that is not the first time that has happened in that roundabout. Oh, yeah. Being the first one. That's true. I, I, I got I got a pretty good kick out of that, like, like the sign saying, this is the first roundabout. I knew something was going to come back and make me laugh about it. <laughs> Look, all in all, great, great movie. I, I recommend it. Uh, people that are fans of British comedy, people that are fans of Simon Pegg. If you watch the first two Cornetto movies and for some reason still haven't seen this one, like Keith and Charlie, watch it because I think it's worthwhile. I think it's very, very good. Christina last week said this was her favorite of the three. So Hmm. whether that be because it's the first one that she saw, I think, or she's much, much more of a sci-fi fan um, than she is action or um, zombies. But, you know, and, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not my favorite of the three, but that does not make it a bad movie in any way, and I don't really have bad things to say about it. It's that that ending kind of got to me a little bit in parts, but at the same time, I wouldn't mind seeing some continuation of the Gary ending. Like, give me a, a short, even a short film of, like, what's going on with him, I think would be great. Oh, that'd be, that'd be, oh, yeah. that'd be awesome. You know, and... Like a little web It series. really does say that there has been some growth because when he pulls down that bandana, he's shaved. Yep. Oh yeah. So no, that... they, they they definitely nailed it visually. I mean, it's good. Now there was more time between uh, Hot Fuzz and this movie. It was about a six year gap um, than there was. It was about three years between when they made and released Shaun of the Dead and they released Hot Fuzz. So. I'm sure that plays a little bit into it, you know, they But they were also doing other things too. Yeah. I mean Oh yeah, no, that's that's why there was more time. They you know, they had other projects to work on. So I get that. And maybe maybe that's why it's missing a little bit of that heart that I felt from the other two is you get off, you do a couple of other projects, you come back, and it's hard to recapture that feeling. I, I know that personally from some projects that I've worked on. But again, saying all of that, this is a good movie. And you should see it. And it's very, very good. 
It's enjoyable. It's funny. It's well-written. It's well-produced. It's well-acted. There's nothing I don't like about the movie on a whole. I I, I agree. It, it was a good movie. And as I said, when I started watching it, I was like, man, this this is just boring. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through it. And then it takes that left turn and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not watching what I thought I was. Watching. <laughs> yeah. That was a definite thing that I was getting to. Uh, it was okay. So I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm trying to pick up anything I can because I know there's going to be callbacks. Everything is going to come back at some point in time and make sense or be funny. You know, like I was, I was waiting to hear about the accident, the whole movie. It's like, what, what? Okay. Yeah. There's, there's people who are like popoids and got, you know, their arms pop off and got ink in them. And, but what about this accident? You keep mentioning it. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing too. So they're able to pull out like that scene with the accident. Uh, where he does finally kind of explain what happened on that night, right? But that it gets paid off yeah. with, with humor. They're so good at doing that. They did it in Shaun of the Dead. They did it in Hot Fuzz. Like, it's really a testament to their acting. Uh, not not only their acting, but their writing to be able to pull that off. Um, oh, the fruit machine sound that can be heard in the King's Head is also used in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. It's that um, thing that you hear. That sound oh, effect. The, 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 the pinball the machine. Little, yeah. You hear that in all the, all their uh, movies. That's one of their little... That's their Wilhelm scream. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... Just good. Good movie. Definitely see it. Um, I would love to talk about Shaun of the Dead on this show, and if we can find somebody that hasn't seen that before, I would love to introduce them to it because whether you're a fan of comedies or you're a fan of zombie movies, it's phenomenal. And it's another one of those just tight, well-done, well-written, put-together, funny movies. Um, yeah. You know, I still can't believe that I know somebody who hasn't seen Hot Fuzz because I talk about that movie all the time. I quote that movie constantly, which I think is part of... Like, it was always going to be hard for this movie, for The World's End, to live up to Hot Fuzz because of how much I like Hot Fuzz. But upon some, you know, the second viewing, I'm realizing just how good this one is, and I really need to give it more credit than I do. You know, I, I always, I'd seen it, and I always kind of looked at it as like, yeah, it was okay, but, you know, it was no Hot Fuzz. Well, no, nothing's going to be. You know, that's like if I were... If I had been 14 in 1981 when The Empire Strikes Back came out and that affected me in a way that I really, really loved, nothing was going to be better than that, right? Right. Um, for me, that movie was, for the longest time as a kid, uh, was Return of the Jedi because that was there was so much about that movie that I loved uh, growing up, and it was it was what I knew. I had seen Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back prior to it, but the first one that I remembered, like, sitting down and, you know, miming out all the actions and stuff was Return of the Jedi. So for the longest time, that was my favorite. Um, that taste in mind of mine has changed over time. But it was always going to be tough for other Star Wars movies to live up to that for me personally. Um, you know, have you got have, have you got anything where there's a series of movies that that happens to you in? 
Where there's one that you picked up and... Yeah. Like another example for me is uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I love mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I really like Temple of Doom, but Last Crusade is mine. And it came out when I was nine years old, and I saw it, and it was the first one I had seen on a big screen. Mm. You know, because I was too I, young I, to see the other two. I, I have the uh, the same thing, but mine is Temple of Doom. I, okay. I love Temple of Doom. Yeah. Those and, were movies that I really enjoyed watching with my dad. Uh, I think the I think the one movie that always kind of um, stuck out to me as you know like the, the big triumph I got to see this movie. You know that this is this has been a great sci-fi thing to me was always um, the first Matrix movie. Big shock, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and that and that was a big triumph for me because I went and rented it. And my mom threw a huge fit. You know, oh, you can't watch that. That's a rated R movie. And I, there was a big argument. But, Mom, I'm old enough that I could go buy a ticket for an R-rated movie. And there was a there's a big ta-da about that. And I finally just watched the movie. And it felt like such a victory. And it seemed so awesome. Because, you know, oh, yeah. it was a... Uh, yeah. It, it was just... Everything that I, nothing seemed bad about the movie to me. I, I had nothing bad to say about that movie, and it felt like such a victory to be able to watch it. And then, you know, it probably was one of those where nothing could really, like, they made more Matrix movies, but how are you going to top that first one? Right? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, they had more budget. Yeah, the effects were cool, uh, cooler, but they just... They didn't have that punch that the first one did. You know, they they, no. they all came up short. Now, granted, I mean, the difference there is that the Matrix is, in my opinion, objectively a better. Well, in my opinion, objectively, wow, that was a great sentence, wasn't it? Um, yeah, but it, the, the first <laughs> way Matrix, to contradict yourself. The first Matrix, it, it's just a better movie than the other ones. But you know, at the same time, I totally get that. Like, was that R? It, I don't remember that being rated R. That was our. Huh. I I uh, that that I was an entire point of contention about me actually getting to watch the movie Rated at R. home. What do you know? Hmm. For some reason, I had it in my head that was PG thirteen, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah, there was this was that released in what ninety nine? Yeah, that's true. That was late. That 95. level of violence was not kosher in ninety nine. Well, I mean, come on, Hackers was rated R, and that shouldn't have been. Right. So, Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I, it, I remember it, it one might time. Have exceed, I think it exceeded the two f bomb limit. What the Matrix? Of, yeah, didn't it? I don't know if there is an f bomb in that movie. Well, either uh, way, uh, I re- I remember the Matrix from one point. We were watching it on TV, and like my friends had all left the room for some reason, and then they got to the scene where Morpheus was about to fight Neo. And I just ran into the other room, and I burst through the door. I was like, "Morpheus is fighting Neo!" And I ran back out, and everybody <laughs> followed me. <laughs> uh, that is great. That that reminds me of when um, when Attack of the Clones was in the theater, and uh, the theater staff would all go to whatever whatever auditorium was playing the movie at the scene where Yoda fights. You just like oh, one of the yeah. one of the theater guys would come up and tell the other ushers like Yoda fight, and they'd all go swarming to that theater. And then ten minutes later, you'd see them all go down the hallway to another theater because the other screening was going on, and it, it was timed out to go to that same scene. 
<laughs> That's great. It was. And I had a friend that worked there, so he was telling me about that. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then sure enough, I'm waiting in line to go see a movie, and I see that exact thing happen. Cracked me up. Uh, All right, well... Um, I think that's uh, we kind of got off track there, but you know, you know that happens. Um, it kind of right, seems fitting for this trilogy. Yeah. Um, no, I think you know another another great episode, guys. Thank you for joining me this week. I'm glad that you finally got to see this movie. I know you both liked the other two movies, so it's, it's oh yeah. I, I am not. I am not at all disappointed for having seen this movie. Good. Good. Great flick. Great flick. The only thing they were missing is Charlie's favorite character from Hot Fuzz. Yes, my my favorite character from Hot Fuzz is the angry, the angry Son. twin. <laughs> Nobody tells me nothing. I just ah, uh, Bill Bailey is so great, and uh, well, it's just because it's me. Yeah. It, oh yeah. It, it, you know, like important <laughs> stuff happens, and people just assume that I know things, so nobody tells me anything. <laughs> so me at work. Also, yes. Um, No, great. I'm glad that you guys liked the movie. I'm glad that you finally got to see the movie. You know, it was uh, was a long time coming for both of you. I mean, this movie now, 2013, it's been out for almost six years, which is weird to think about. But um, good. I'm glad. Well, to to let everybody know, if you want to listen to this show, um, all our, you know, previous six episodes now, um, you can do that at tvstravis.com. You can find the show in iTunes or Google Podcast by searching for Wait, You Haven't Seen. Um, there's a comma in there. It does help. There might, There is another show with that same name, but they haven't done anything for years. So you're looking for, you're looking for the one that has... Go to the website, and, and it's probably the easiest thing to do. But um, I do want to say, oh, i got to remember to do this because I've thanked him in the show notes the description for the last couple of episodes, but the uh, guy named Audie Norman, um, who is on Twitter as at oddly normal one O N E. He created our album art um, that kind of, it's got that sort of cinema reel, um, the yellow background with some green in there and the weight you haven't seen. Um, he created that for us. And uh, I just want to say thank you to him um, because yeah, I like it. Thanks, and, man. And it's great. Uh, and it, he didn't have to do that. He was just a really nice guy. And I had put out that I was looking for some help doing graphic design. And he, he came up with that and sent it to me. So that was really cool. So, yeah, um, tvstravis.com is the website where you can find uh, the podcast. You can subscribe there and wherever, whatever podcast player of your choice. Um, we put out new episodes weekly. Um, they come out on Saturdays. So uh, until that changes, um, it may in the future, who knows, who knows what the future holds. But for now, we're coming out new episode every Saturday. Um, drop uh, comments on the website if you want. Uh, if you have a movie suggestion, um, something that you think maybe we haven't seen, one of us hasn't seen, um, and we'll take it into consideration, add it to the list. But um, yeah, uh, I want to thank uh, Charlie. Yep, you're welcome. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Keith. You're welcome. Also, thank you for showing a movie that introduced me to the hardest left turn I've seen in a movie. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, again, thank you guys for joining me. And uh, until next time, this has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Uh, enjoy your movies.
It's pointless arguing with him. Drink up. Let's boo-boo.